So there I was, sitting by the campfire, thinking about men of character. Yo, what's up, everybody? This is J.J. Martinez. This is Big Jeff. And this is Beauty and the Beast Mode podcast, episode... 11. 11. Super excited about today's podcast. Um, We have a special guest. This is our first official interview, Jeff. Our first official interview. We are very excited. Not only that, but we are on Facebook Live. I'm looking at you right now. Um, Oh, look, there I go as well on that um, telephone. I call it telephone. Who calls it telephone these days? Everybody just says iPhone, right? Yep. (laughs) But anyways, so things are going to be a little different today. We're not going to go through a week in the life of Casa de la Fremed. Um, We're not going to do some of the things we normally do. We're just going to get right to it with our special guest. And our special guest today is Andrew Coglin. Say hello. Hello. (laughs) Now, you're probably like, why did they decide to make Andrew Coglin their first guest? Well, there's a story here, people. First of all, we're all great friends. Second of all, once you hear this man's story, you're going to know why he is the first official guest of the Beauty and the Beast Mode podcast. So, a couple of things I wanted to point out really quick. Again, we are on Facebook Live, um, but if you're not my friend, you probably wouldn't be able to see it. If you're not Jeff's friend, you probably won't be able to see it. Or Andrew. Uh, or Andrew's friend. And secondly, this chair that I'm sitting in is pretty low, and Jeff decided to put me on some phone books so that I can get up to the microphone. For real, no joke. He's sitting on a pillow. Sitting on a pillow. And it's not because I got hemorrhoids. <laughs> Listen, right to Andrew Coglin. Andrew, how are you today, sir? Feeling pretty good. Feeling pretty good. Now, let's put this into perspective. You're feeling pretty good just coming off of a pretty significant surgery. It's good to see that you're doing well and that you're healing up. Um, people have been showing the love to you. Yeah. Much deserved, but we're going to rewind it a little bit. Wait, wait. Can we? I, I want to talk about people showing the love to you, man. Right now, it's like Golden Corral at your house. It's like you got Chinese food, you got Mexican food, you got Italian food, and you decided to bring some over, didn't you? Selfish mother. Just kidding. (laughs) (laughs) So to bring it back a little bit, uh, we're going to start off from the beginning. So where were you born? I was born in uh, Ludington, Michigan, real small little tourist town in West Michigan. Siblings? Do you have any siblings? Oh, yeah. Uh, Siblings? Siblings. Wait, seven siblings total? I have six siblings. I would be the seventh. Oh. A, any, um, what is it? A.S.'s? <laughs> Damn. <laughs> Go back to the previous ten episodes and you know what we're talking about, folks. So, Andrew, 
we start from the beginning. You said seven siblings total. Where are you falling? The third. Okay. Um, are you guys in contact? Is your family tight, tight group? Um, you know, not as tight as a lot of families. I, mean, mm-hmm. I keep in touch with my oldest brother the most. Yeah. Um, the other one, you know, we're, we're all friends on Facebook. So, uh, <laughs> that's good. I'm, I'm not friends on Facebook with a lot of my family, so that's a good first step. <laughs> that's how people stay in touch. So, Andrew, some more background on you. Military, right? Can you tell us a little bit about before you got to the military, like why you made that decision? Yeah. So, uh, I was a senior in high school uh, when 9-11 happened. Uh, that was really my ultimate decision um, as a decision maker, I guess, uh, to join the Army. Uh, so, 9-11 was the, your, the decision maker for you to go? <laughs> so, uh, you know, then, then 9-11 happened, and uh, it got real, so. I think somebody said something like, you have uh, more family than uh, a Puerto Rican family. Uh, <laughs> I am part Puerto Rican. Somebody wants to know, with all the food that's been given, are you hungry right now? I am not hungry at all. And it was said that you look better after donating a kidney than uh, somebody yeah, does after a brisk walk. We... We're going to get there. I just ruined it. You didn't ruin it. I think he mentioned it earlier, right? So he did briefly. We're going we're to get there. So joined after 9-11 because of 9-11. And how, how was your, like, your military experience, like the boot camp part of it and joining? Did you want to join the armed services or the army in particular prior to 9-11? You know, growing up, I I always remember driving by a VFW post and you'd you'd see a tank out there or a helicopter and it always sparked interest. Um, Why infantrymen? Was it because of your ASVAB scores? Why, why the Army? Well, because I hate the water, so I didn't want to join the Marine Corps. Uh, didn't want to join the, the Navy, because I don't have infantry. You know, so that was, that was really why. So walk us through after boot camp. How soon after boot camp did you get, because you got deployed. Did you get deployed more than once? So a few months after shortly being in the army, you got deployed. What 
what were your thoughts? What were your family's thoughts when you heard the news that you were going to get deployed? Right, right. Um, you know, but uh, you know, we, we, when you look around the platoon, I, I already knew we had a bunch of great guys that I was deploying with. Um, you know, but you're 19 years old, you're going, you're going to war. So. What what rank were you? Uh, when I deployed, I was an E2, so, uh, which is can't get any lower. <laughs> <laughs> Was there was there like a big send off from your community? Like where where did you get deployed from? So uh, deployed right from Fort Drum. From uh, Fort Drum has an airfield. So we, and Fort Drum is where? New York, uh, upstate, upstate New York. New York. So uh, yeah, we, we left right from Fort Drum. Um, I mean, obviously, people knew we were leaving, but um, you know, there wasn't a big there wasn't any big send off or anything like that. So this is live. Listen, this is live. Continue to talk. But apparently somebody just seen the back of my head and wants to see more of Andrew. So I'm going to move you guys around a little bit so that you can see more of Andrew um, and his mouth on the microphone. So Fort Drum, New York, get deployed. Once you hit the ground overseas, what, like, how did your mindset change? <laughs> so uh, no, so we, we, we flew commercial, um, but I, I remember stepping off that that plane it, and just the heat. I mean that, that heat just blasts you right in the face. And, you know, it's middle of the middle of the night, so a lot of us just thought it was the heat from the uh, you know from, from the jet. But it was um, so you know it, your first it, it, your first initial hey welcome to the Middle East is it, is that heat. Uh, you know, we stayed in Kuwait for uh, about seven, seven days or so, mm-hmm. uh, just make sure that we had all of our gear prepping everything, uh, going over, you know, final, you know, uh, training and make sure our weapons are zeroed and uh, everything's set. And then uh, a handful of us uh, actually flew in from um, well, Camp Udari, which I can't tell you where it was in Kuwait. It was seriously in the middle of nowhere. Um, that's where we were in Kuwait. So we flew from Camp Udari, uh, landed in Baghdad at the airport um, on September 11th. Uh, while the rest of the battalion, they, they drove from Kuwait um, to Iraq. Did they? So at this point, did they Uber? <laughs> at this point, you're 19 years old. You land. You do your training and brush up on some stuff. Are you told what your mission is at that point? Yeah, it doesn't get down to you. Yeah. I mean, we, we, we didn't know. We, we didn't know, you know, if we we're going to be, you know, 
garden a pallet somewhere or going after the bad guy. So uh, there was definitely a lot of uncertainty. What were the living arrangements like? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, but we really didn't even get those until probably probably three or four weeks into the deployment. But before that, you know, we were just sleeping under the stars pretty much. What was, um, and I know every day was probably atypical, but what was a day like? start running missions until probably two and a half, three weeks into the deployment. So let me ask you, for those who didn't serve in the military who may be listening, so when you arrived there and you you said that you were doing some training and getting the FOB together, which is forward operating base for those who don't know. Um, Thank you. Thank you. you. Um, So... Uh, when you get there, is there anything set up already, or you were building this from the ground up? So, Roberto's on here, by the way. Oh, Roberto. Roberto. <laughs> <laughs> so, no, we, we, when we got there, I mean, there, there, there were some, some uh, hard buildings, you know, pre, pre-existing buildings that, that were there, but um, those were immediately made into to an aid station and, uh, you know, some of the more critical um, parts of By the way, like, I have to say that I feel like I'm talking to John Cena right now. Like, this is an amazing recovery, man. Like, just a few days ago when I came to visit you, like, you were laid up. You were probably playing it up a little bit, but you were laid up. You were laid up on your recliner with your Michigan blanket over you, like, feed me a donut. And now you're sitting here talking to us upright, feeling and looking good, man. So we appreciate you being here, man. Damn, well, yeah. You're probably not, Joe. <laughs> yeah. You're actually feeling pretty good. All things considered, yeah, absolutely. So, do you remember your? Was there a mission there? Do you remember your first mission? Either a, a lieutenant driver or 
Which means what? So just for the record, uh, we're talking about alleged kidnapping, alleged, uh, and we don't fact check here on uh, Beauty and the Beast Mode podcast. Uh, so just on Facebook Live here, some peeps are listening. We have 17 viewers right now. Uh, Reiner says, what's up? what's up? I can't see you, by the way, Adam Bressler. Uh, Roberto Cruz says that he misses you guys and that you guys are family. You've inspired already. We're about 18 minutes in and you've inspired uh, Sully to wear a blanket and he's asking people to feed him donuts right now. Heather says that you look great and amazing. She wishes you an amazing recovery. Roberto said you two are some of his favorite peeps. And a few other things. So we'll get back to that later. <laughs> and Sonny says only the army hits the wrong house. I think that's a little <laughs> Marine jab there. Nope. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, peeps who are listening to the podcast and not on Facebook Live, please bear with us on this one. This is our first Facebook Live as we podcast. So, we're trying to work out some kinks, doing this and that. Kinks? Ain't no kinks, baby. This is live. This is what we do. Ain't no kinks, baby. This is unfiltered, unedited. But we're live again. Here we are. We're still rolling. Oh, it said that it was interrupted. It was interrupted by me. So, first mission is done. Does your mindset change? Do you have a different outlook on things that are happening around you? Right. But for whatever reason, I 
Yeah. Yeah. That happened to me on the basketball court in high school. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Very similar, right? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. And so a couple of things in, in you describing that, right, is that you said you use the word routine, like the things that were happening around you every day became routine. Like you're talking about a, a rocket hitting your vehicle and you being like, oh, that's just the norm. Like, how could, like, how can somebody, a civilian, even begin to fathom how that becomes routine? Yeah, I, I, I honestly don't know if you really can. I mean, even being, being a combat veteran, like, I, I don't know if that's normal. Like, I, I, I don't know if, if that's every combat veteran's experience. Right. Yeah, yeah. Um, that wasn't normal. Mm -hmm. you know, so, so, so I, I, I don't know if, if there really is a, a, a way to, to comprehend it. Yeah. That and that's important that you say that because when you say that things like that felt routine for the civilian out there that doesn't understand uh, everything that uh, our troops have gone through and are continuing to go through over there, to be able to hear that and in such a detailed way, and then for them also to be able to hear that now you're starting to realize that some of that stuff wasn't so normal. And now, like, you're starting to see it in a different way because you've been disconnected from that for so long um, that you can talk about it and say that stuff wasn't normal. But for a lot of years, I thought that that was Right. I mean, because like it, it, I've shared, you know, some very personal, intimate stories with, with people that I don't know. Mm -hmm. you know. I mean, most of the time, you know, that would be a, like you know, a speaking engagement in an audience. Um, but but for me, I'm still getting it out. I, I'm processing it in my mind. Uh, it and it's it's uh, it, it's weird because it never comes out the same way. Mm -hmm. really new details, yeah. new things that, that I think about, uh, new faces or, or smells um, yeah. you know, might, might come up 
um, you know, so uh, talking about it, mm-hmm. it, it probably helped me the most. Yeah. And for us, it, it, we recognize it in a different way because we work with veterans every day. And you saying that, like, the other day I was at an event where a Vietnam veteran walked up to us and started to talk to us and tell us about his experiences and experience that he said he couldn't share with other people. Um, so you saying that sometimes it comes up and I'm able to communicate it to people and, and have this conversation with them. Uh, it, it's important, man. And, and we appreciate you being open enough to talk about it. Um, so first mission, mission done. And how long was your total time overseas? full year so you had some experiences over there and if you want to share any of that then please feel free to talk about it PT. For those that don't know, PT stands for. Physical training. Well, you almost forgot for a second. <laughs> 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 Private time. Yeah. No, but say, I mean, he, it, he, he was a stud. Mm. And every single uh, Thursday, it, it was road march days for, uh, for at least our infantry uh, battalion. Um, they, and the road march is what? Uh, well, so our, our PT road marches, I, I mean, there were. We're in PTs, but you're carrying your rucksacks. As we got closer to deployment, how much weight was in your rucksacks? You think it varied anywhere between 25 and 40 pounds. Mm-hmm. Um, so some of the uh, PT road marches, you know, we'd go four, six, eight miles. Mm-hmm. Uh, this really depends. Um, and this is just a hike, essentially. So you have on a 40-pound pack, a hike. Yeah, this is what you're doing for physical training. Because mm-hmm. um, for one thing, um, I, I don't remember the you know the exact PT hours, but all PT had to be completed you know by you know we'll, we'll say eight o'clock or, or mm-hmm. whatever. Um, so you might have an hour and a half, but you have to move you know, six miles. Or, what was, what was the reason for that? Was there a reason? Just so getting to bed by eight thirty. Yeah. So yeah. Some commanding general. Right. Right. You got broken off. <laughs> you get to the real army, you know, and uh, it, it's a little bit different. But so Sergeant Lloyd, um, you know, he, he, he was leading our, our, uh, our, 
Where was Sergeant Lloyd from? Uh, Pennsylvania. Okay. Um, yeah. So, um, but I, I, I remember, you know, I, I got broken off. It, it as Jason said, um, not bad, but you know, it, it sucked. Uh, it, and I remember uh, getting getting back to the barracks, and it, and then Sergeant Lloyd continued to smoke me for, for falling back a, a little. It, and the crazy thing is, like, it, it, it's not like I was back, you know. Yeah. So first of all, appreciate you sharing that. How long, if somebody's listening right now, how long did it take you to be able to talk about this? Or any, any, yeah. any of these stories from your deployment? What was your reaction to being deemed unfit for duty? Um, it, it, it was a kick in the gut. Um, you know, I was, I, at that time, you know, now I'm 20, 
20, 21 years old. Um, thought that I was going to serve 20 years in the military. You know, I, I kind of think a lot of us, you know, when you enlist or, uh, you know, I'm going to do 20 years and then get out when I'm 38. So the rest of your life to do whatever you want. Bro, I didn't want to yeah. I didn't want to do twenty years. <laughs> 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 um, you know, but you know, now I'm like, crap, what am I gonna do now? I don't have college education. I, I was married. Uh, I got married when I was twenty years old. Um, I knew that you know, there wasn't much back home, you know, it, it, as far as jobs and careers. Unless I had a college education, um, so it was a kick in the gut. But um, I see that I, I started w- looking for a job um, for probably three or four months before I left the army. Uh, started started working about two weeks after I got out. What was what was the job? The first job that you found? Um, I marked underground cables for a utility company. Uh, you know, it's like misdig. You know, yeah. Mm-hmm. Now, it, I would easily work between 60 and 70 hours a week. Now, of course, everything over 40 was, was overtime, so... Hey! Yeah, you know. You know so, <laughs> Make it rain, baby. So, let me ask you. So, at what point did you... Because you said now you're 20, 21 years old. You went through all that stuff. It's a lot, a ton for someone that young to go through and and process and deal with. At what point, because you said that you started talking later down the line, at what point did you start to talk? And, and what at that time when you were, when you had that job and you're married and going through all this stuff, what's going through your head at that moment?
three really good friends of mine have been killed, named sitting here on the couch, doing absolutely nothing. Right. Um, I, I, I called my boss. Well, I destroyed the house. Did you explain to him why you weren't coming to work? Briefly, but you know, I, I, I really didn't go into, I, you know, I, yeah, I, you know, I basically said, yeah, I had a friend that was killed. In that yeah. Um, you know, they, the company that I was working for, you know, they, they, they gave me crap because I wanted to go to a cinema. Mm-hmm. That's that's such an important detail too, right? Like the understanding of the workforce on how to work with veterans, you know. So that's that's an important takeaway, man. What is what does that entail? What does more involved entail? I mean, but, but before you know the, the the VA, you know, they say, hey, you have an appointment on Friday, so you, you go to the appointment, you do what you have to, and you, you go home. So so now I would go to the VA, I would ask questions, I would slowly open up more, but then I would also take things that I learned through the counselor or through other veterans or, or whatever, and actually put that into my life. You know, it, it, instead of more of just just going through the motions. Um, so, you know, just, just, and then. Yeah, there, there has to be that intent there. Yeah. yeah. You know, and, it, it, and then, to be honest, like, I, I really wasn't sure what PTSD was. You know, I, I was diagnosed with it. I mean, but, like, what is it? What, you know, some of the things that, that, that I was doing, saying, seeing, you know, was, was that PTSD or was it? something else, you know, so I right. kind of started doing my own research on PTSD and um, reading a, a lot of books and, and so 
Were there groups? Were there others that you were there mentors? Were there others that you spoke to? Or was it just solely you as an individual trying to de- navigate your way through this process? How did how did that make you feel? Well, you know, it, going to a psych ward, you, I, I was scared. Um, I, um, but knowing that, knowing that, that, that there were guys that are also dealing with some of the same crap, and it, you know, they just pulled me in and said, "Hey, stay with us. We'll take care of you." Um, it, it took a lot of weight off me. It, it provided some comfort. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it, it provided some safety for me. Um, you know that you know it, it. You know, this wasn't. Hey, this is the psych ward that you know. This is how you do things around here. But it, it, it was like, here's crap that I did that I learned from. D- don't let you. It, it. And this is the Vietnam guys talking to me. Like, you don't do this. Would you be able to describe the psych ward? Right. Because if if I'm listening to you and and I hear you say psych ward, I'm thinking like, man, like a psych ward, that's that that I can't even fathom what that that looks like. So it's literally like you would see on television. So you quickly became a smoker. <laughs> <laughs> So let me ask you, looking back now, do you, and knowing what you know now, let's say how uh, certain things have changed, do you think that that hurts people more than helps? Um, What was your experience as far as um, with you being there and what was done with you and stuff like that? Do you think you would have benefited by doing something else? Get him. Get him. He said it. What? And stuff like that. I did not say that. <laughs> he said it, Andrew. You call him out, man. Call him out. Uh, I, I mean, to, 
mindlessly watching TV with coloring or, you know, I mean, they, they, there's absolutely no independence. Like, like here I am fully capable of, of taking my meds. That's what I was going to say. Why, why do you think they admit to the psych ward? And how old were you at this time? After you left, what happens now? Um, so, um, actually, I, 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 left, uh, I, I left psych ward, um, went, went back home, you know, just did some outpatient um, therapy. Um, but I was you know, still driving three hours for, for therapy and um, got into an inpatient PTSD program. That program it, it was broken down to, to three different um, uh, like courses, uh, tracks, I, I guess. Um, the first one I, I, I got kicked out of uh, two times. Uh, the first time um, they, they, they said, um, they as in the VA, that, that I came up hot on a drug test uh, for alcohol in my urine. drank probably a week prior, so maybe I just drank an excessive amount, I, I don't know. All right, well, but, it happens sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, and, and, and then I was also kicked out because I had an anger problem, which I kind of thought that's why I was there, but, uh, yeah. Yeah, you know, that's, yeah. You know, the, I guess safety for, for other patients. Right, right. So this, this information is important to share. Your story is important to share. Um, we've talked a lot about some hard issues. What was a turning point for you, a positive turning point for you that started to kind of change the scope of your life um, to, to ultimately get, to, get you to where you are now? And you have two daughters. Yeah, two daughters now. Um, Madison's eight years old. Um, so, I, so I, I'm not saying give every time that veteran a child. <laughs> um, you know, but with, 
Did you just say give every combat veteran a child? <laughs> oh, don't do that. Need <laughs> some APs and some BPs out there. <laughs> I just want somebody to love me. <laughs> How did you come up on that name, Madison? <laughs> so let me bust in here for a sec, because I've been thinking this the whole time that we've been doing this so far. Uh, Adam said on Facebook Live that this is good stuff. You guys are doing good things with this podcast. Somebody might be listening that needs to hear that somebody has been through similar difficulties. Thanks for sharing your story. So I think that's super important. So you had Madison, right? And at this point, uh, you talked about getting married. Could you talk a little bit about your marriage? You work fast, boy. Pow! <laughs> uh, yeah, so we, we, we really never dated. Um, hey, you. I love you. Have this baby. Yeah. <laughs> well, so we're married. Uh, but uh, so Ashley hey, hey, and I got married at, um, about a month after I got back from Iraq. Um, so it was the first time that we saw each other probably like two years. How did you propose? I, again, crazy. I never proposed. <laughs> what? Wait, what? I, I, I don't know. I like it. Is this marriage legit? <laughs> well, there were papers Yeah, yeah. Basically in a pole barn, pretty much. It was like the, the county seat or whatever. Um, justice of the peace thing. And uh, I was so nervous that I didn't even bring my wallet. But the crazy thing is they never asked me for my ID or anything. But I also didn't have the $20 to pay him. So our witness or my you know, best man, Russell, he, uh, he, he paid when I got married young 20 years old whatever first of all she put the ring on the wrong hand right so right then you should I should have known right but then I had to pull the witness from the parking lot so that we had two witnesses there for the, for the wedding that's funny man Yeah. And uh, I mean, her, her family knew, but um, like I, I remember I, I called my mom and I said, "Hey, Ashley and I got married." She, she didn't believe me. Um, so Ashley had to tell her. And then, like, you know, two weekends later, we, we went home and we, you know, like I had a four-day pass or whatever, and went home to Michigan and uh, we ended up having a, a real wedding uh, a few months later. But uh, so, so then fast forward a couple of years. Did you? What kind of tuxedo did you have? 
Oh, okay. Gotcha. Gotcha. Um, so you're, so get married, living in Michigan, right? How did you get to Florida? So legit divorced, legally separated, divorced, that's it. Yeah. Like you have the kids and that's it. Le- Ludington was that? Was that across? Was it? Uh, it's right up the coast. Okay. Um, so, uh, but you know, I, I, at this point, I, Ashley and I were you know, trying to go our separate ways. She, she was always better for me though. Um, so then, um, Jason asked me how I, how I found my way to Florida. I, I just think he wanted me to tell this story about how Jason and I met. Really. That I wasn't even going there, but I mean, if you're gonna go there. No, so let's back up just one, just a little bit. You talked about going to school, right? So when you started going to school, how was that experience for you? Like, yeah, so let's see. I, I, I started school at West Shore Community College. Um, it's in Scottville, Michigan. I'm sure you've heard of it. It's a great farming community. You've been to so many places nobody's ever heard of. Was there not, or did you not seek it out, or there just wasn't? There just wasn't. Um, I mean, this was, this was 2006. You know, they, I mean, they, they, there weren't a whole lot of veterans back home, uh, and then there weren't a whole lot of veterans going to school. Mm-hmm. Um, so no, I, I, I took a couple classes, passed some, failed most. Uh, the ones I didn't pass or fail, I dropped. Um, so... And then no, it was 2006. I started getting involved with uh, Wounded Warrior Project, and um, this is what kind of brought me. Or this is what brought me down to, to Florida. Is uh, at an event, at a soldier ride event, cycling um, out in New York. Uh, this was like, let's fast forward a couple of years. This was probably like 2000, 2009, probably the summer. Of I've aged, brother. I've aged. <laughs> but that wasn't your first opportunity, though. Oh, no, no, no. Right. So, you know, I was involved with Wounded Warrior Project, you know, a couple different programs, Project Odyssey, alumni events, and things like that. But what brought me down to Florida was I was at this New York Soul Drive, and I was drunk as a skunk. Point where uh, for me, you know, because well, for one, I was 
I was newly divorced and separated. I was a young guy. Um, it, it was almost like freedom for me, uh, it, bad as that sounds. Um, but um, but I, I, I was drunk, and it, I remember I, I, I met Jason. I, I was peeing in a bush. Don't make it sound like I was like, right? <laughs> like, and, and okay, like clarify, been together, like. <laughs> But he really wasn't. So, you know, I started going through the process, but, you know, I, at that same time, I'm like, crap, I, you know, I, I have a baby at home, I, you know, even though Ashley and I were separated. So, you know, there was a long conversation that Ashley and I had, Ashley's family, my family, you know, would Ashley come down with me? Um, you know, would I fly home every weekend? I, you know, what, what was it going to be like? And it ultimately led to, this is a great opportunity for, you know, for me to continue my education because at this point I was, I, I was falling hard. Um, you know, continue my education, be around other veterans, um, kind of get my head screwed on straight. So. Just to clarify, when you were at this event, you bought your own booze, correct? I have no idea how I got it. All right. So I wanted to touch on the education piece a little bit. So when you were in school in Michigan, it was difficult, failing some courses. Could you attribute that to anything? Was it, was it your lack of desire to, to participate in, in, in school? Was it some things that maybe you were experiencing as a result of your service? things that I that I had control over. Um, but then, you know, I also had some concentration issues, some memory issues, um, th things like that that I could probably attribute to, to PTSD. So, right. Um, you know, it, then again, there, there wasn't there, there wasn't a support system there for me either. So, so you, you, you have this phone number, you call, you get into this program in Florida. What was it about uh, the program, or what was it about being in Florida that 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 allowed like that allowed this change in you? Like, how how did that how did that all come about? You know, I, I, I don't know. I, I mean, the, it, 
for one, being being around other guys, that, yeah, other combat veterans, but at the same time, meeting genuine people that never served, but they cared. Um, you know, because it, it, it's easy for, you know, for people to say, yeah, I support the troops, I support veterans, but, um, but actually meeting genuine people, you know, that just don't say it, that actually do it, um, that helped. Um, and also, it got me away from, you know, I, I, I was going in, into a new place that I wasn't familiar with. So when you were involved with this program, you excelled big time. Um, and was it something where consciously you said, oh my gosh, I really have a chance to make a new start and stuff like that? Or kind of what was your mindset? Yeah. Well, so, you know, there, there were a couple different parts of the program. It just didn't focus on education. Um, you know, so... Being an infantryman, you know, I, I was in pretty good shape when I was in the Army. I got out, you know, all that crap that I was dealing with, the depression and the meds and all that crap, I gained a lot of weight as well, which which I'm sure, you know, my confidence wasn't, you know, wasn't where it needed to be and uh, a lot of other factors. So, uh, so I think another part that, that helped it, helped me in the transition was getting active again um, and not just sitting there and doing nothing um, you know it's uh, I mean it, 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 it was it was tough it, it was a lot of hard work but it was something that had to be done okay. so you were in that program for a year right and you graduated from the program so what was what were your thoughts once you graduated it's like okay now what do i do or did you have some sort of plan uh, so I, I i mean the the, the program it um it uh you know it the program lasted a year i i, I would say probably i mean you, you you know at a year's end you're done with the program so you, you know you kind of have to start planning anyway right um you Tell those people I was in the bathroom? No. Oh, somebody said wash your hands. <laughs> uh, you know, so, I mean, the, the, the program, we knew it only lasted a year, so, you know, you, you have to be thinking, I mean, because that, that year's going to fly by. Um, you know, so it's probably you know, seven, eight months into it, you're just like, crap, I, you know, I only have, you know, three, four, five months yeah. left. 
mm-hmm. you have to start planning. Um, one of the things I forgot to have is a week before I moved on to Jacksonville, we found out that, that Ashley was pregnant. Um, so, you know, they, that added an additional responsibility sure. on me. So, so now hey, Ashley's back home. She's taking care of Madison, who's two, three years old. She's got a, a newborn, Emery, who, who was born uh, in the uh, later part of August. You know, so, you know, the, 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 there were definitely a lot of questions like, do, I, did, do we move back home? You know, I, I mean, well, actually, it's already home, but, you know. Once it's done. Yeah, you know, um, but, but knowing, again, the economy wasn't great, there wasn't a lot of opportunity there. Or do I start looking for for jobs or continue with school or, or, or whatever? Um, and to be honest, you know, I, I think ever since I got involved with Wounded Warrior Project, I always wanted to work at Wounded Warrior Project. Um, and then uh, like I would say probably like November, November 2010, you know, there were some, some openings posted uh, for outreach coordinators. I applied for an outreach coordinator position in Seattle. Never been to Seattle. Never been, you know, out west. I, I applied for it. Had, uh, had a couple interviews. Um, didn't get the position. I remember I was driving over the, the Main Street Bridge in downtown Jacksonville when I got a call from HR saying, hey, thanks for applying, but sorry. Um, didn't get the position. Which is, I mean, it's competitive, yeah. right? Yeah. You know what I mean? So I, it, somebody can imagine how that feels when you're on a trajectory like you were and then, like, might be a little disheartening, a little discouraging. So how did, how did you be like, okay, I have to, like, get my mind right to think, yeah. think, think about something else? You know, so, well, it, it, it was interesting because, so they, they, that was probably, like, you know, when, when I got that phone call, it's probably month or, or less from graduating from the track program. Uh, again, you know, we're, we're going through this thing, what the heck are we going to do? Um, and then shortly after that, uh, it, another outreach coordinator position in Jacksonville um, was posted. I just took another shot at it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, 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 I talked with, with people, um, professionals within Wounded Warrior Project and some outside um, you know, my father-in-law and to some other people and kind of prepared me a little bit better. Um, you know, because I, I, I never asked, like, hey, how come I wasn't hired for the Seattle mm-hmm. job? I just figured, hey, there was a better candidate. And they got it. And yeah. I just kept, kept Which trying. is a, yeah. it's a... Just, just to give some feedback from uh, Facebook Live here, uh, Robert said, too many of us fight the anger issues he spoke about. His ability to identify it and pursue the help he needed needs to be commended. He kept trying different programs until he found the one. It would have been easier to continue a destructive path, but he took the hard right over the easy wrong. I'm happy for him. That was from Robert. Thank you. Thank you. This is Big Jeff signing off. <laughs> what was that about? Thank you for <laughs> oh, thank you, Robert. Okay, I thought you were saying like, thank you. Thank you. This is. <laughs> So, all right, so you get, you get the position in Jacksonville. Now you're in a position where 
you have to help others. Like literally, like that's your job, right? How did that allow you to become uh, mentally tougher? Um, like, w was there something there that was like, okay, like something has to click now. I have to act this way. Yeah. Yeah. Drinking every day, or, mm -hmm. you know, just just not taking care of myself physically, mentally. Right. Um, not taking care of my family, not giving them the attention. And to be honest, like when when I first started working at Wounded Warrior Project, there was nothing for me to work seven days a week. Um, yeah. For for a couple of reasons. For one, I absolutely love it. Uh, I, I'm, I'm motivated by it. I'm I'm driven. I, I I believe in it. I know the programs work. Uh, things like that. Um, but then I I, I always thought too well if i'm not working somebody's gonna need me and i'm not gonna be there right um, so you know for, for the first couple of years um I, i've been at wounded water project now for, for five years a little over five years but the, the first couple of years you know it was, it, it was a pretty small team um the, the alumni team that i was on um, you know we covered a large area a lot of warriors a, a lot of a lot of different you know, they, they to when you say covered, if you could briefly summarize what covered means, like. So, uh, it, as far as geographics, when, it, when, we, when I started at, at Wounded Water Project, covered from Puerto Rico to Arkansas. Doing what? Outreach, uh, doing alumni engagement events, pretty, pretty much, in a lot of cases, any issue that, you know, that, that, that was taking place in, in any of those states, um, you guys were it. Yeah, I, mm -hmm. I, I, because it, um, there really wasn't a combat stress team. You know, we, when we first started physical health and wellness, you know, but it was it, it was you. Mm -hmm. You know, but, but well, actually, you were in Chicago at that point. Okay. Um, you know, so I, all the programs that we have now, they they, they weren't necessarily there. Yeah. Um, you know, so uh, you know, it, it it and then you know, so you know. Sometimes, you know, we, we, we were even speaking at, at events or, you know, yeah. doing different interactions with, with donors and, and things like that. So a lot of different responsibilities. You went to a... Go ahead, brother. I remember a while back you went to a uh, an event where it was a bunch of older women and they gave you a bunch of baked goods when you left. Yeah. Yeah. So you said you went and spoke. When, how much more have you been able to open up about your story? And how long did it take you to, like, kind of maybe put some more of the details into your story? Um, yeah. Um, you know, like, like I said, there, there's still some 
some details that, that haven't came out yet. Uh, obviously, I, I know about them. I, I, I think about them at you know, random times. Or, right. Um, or, you know, sit, uh, something might happen that they'll trigger, but, um, I mean, heck, when, when I went and spoke, uh, spoke at that event that, that we were just talking about, I mean, those, they, they, that was probably three years ago. Um, you know, and that was, I probably spoke for 15 minutes. It, and that was the whole story. You know, 15 minutes. Hey, 15 minutes for you is like... <laughs> And it's like what four sentences? <laughs> so I know what you were saying earlier about, you know, where you now were going to be helping others and 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 things of that nature. Um, <laughs> you, I almost did, but Jason had a beast mode moment uh, in one of the last episodes where to the point of it where you had to take care of yourself before you could help others. Um, to which I know just hearing your story and, and I've heard you speak it before and um, where you've really thrived, you know, where, you know, you're telling your story here and, and you made it through a whole load of stuff to where you're at now. Um, and I think taking care of yourself is a key element in moving forward. Did you get Did you get a question out of that, Andrew? <laughs> I'm not sure if I got a question. I it was a statement. <laughs> you know, but I mean, it's a good point because I mean, I I, I, I can tell you that, that sometimes I I still struggle to take care of myself. Um, you know, and it's. One of the things that, that I learned though is, it, is no matter how many hours of the day you, you put into working, helping others, guess what? Still more to do. Tomorrow morning when you wake up, there's still going to be more yeah, to do. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it, it can be new stuff. It can be old stuff that they've been putting off, but there's there's still going to be stuff. And that's, an, that's another key takeaway, right? Because when you talk about uh, civilian lifestyle out there, like – I mean, they, they're aware of what's happening and, and they're aware that there are veterans out there and, and, and um, but maybe not so aware of the, uh, the conditions, the post-traumatic stress, the combat stress, and aren't aware that that's, that's, that's a daily thing. Like it doesn't go, like it just doesn't go away like that, you know? still battle depression and anxiety and don't want to go, you know, to, to busy places. But for me, it, it, and as I, as I said earlier, you know, the, the birth of, of Madison, she's eight years old. She still motivates the heck out of me. Um, Backflips and stuff. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so, you know, because 
I, I don't want to take my daughter's childhood away from them because I can't go to a 4th of July parade or watch fireworks or, or go to the mall. Like, they deserve their childhood. Like, it, it, and if it's going to be a, a small sacrifice for me to, you know, like, you know, it, yeah. it, it, and I'm not saying, it, it, and it's not easy. Um, you know, what what helps you when you're in those situations deal with those situations? Again, you know, the, the girls be, being there. Like, yeah. Uh, like it, you, you, you really have to just think about, all right, yeah, I, I'm in the Avenues Mall in Jacksonville. Can something bad happen there? Most definitely. Especially in this day and age. You, I mean, mm-hmm. Especially Jacksonville, right? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, bad, bad, bad things happen everywhere. But the probability that Madison and Emory and Ashley or friends that I'm with or, or whoever. Right. Like, like they, they don't take that time. Like, they, don't waste that time, you know? Um, so. Yeah. Uh, I don't know what the question is. So, he didn't have a question. I mean, he had, he had a statement. There but was a question. <laughs> there was a question. That's true. So, okay, let's fast forward a little bit. So, now you've been working. You are still in school now. Right. Gonna and it's almost ten o'clock at night, and we're we're keeping you up late on a school night. So Are you telling us to wrap it up. No. no, we've we've got more. We've got more people. We have like we've talked about a lot, but there's so much more. Okay, so let's get to that. So let's fast forward a little bit. You've been working now for how many years? Uh, a little over five years. A little over five years. Going to school. How much are have you got your bachelor's yet? In four months, and what's your what's your degree? Human services. Human services. Awesome. Giving back. Nice. I just want to interrupt again to give a little Facebook Live update and thank the peeps that are on Facebook Live. Um, JP writes that uh, you, sir, are the core value. Aaron writes, I'm always so appreciative to hear Andrew's story. It's such a significant reminder of why we do what we do. David writes, telling your story, brother, gets more warriors involved. Uh, I write, are you listening or texting right now, Andrew? Uh, (laughs) Nice. Um, Pam writes... Warriors and people respond so well to Andrew because he is one of the most genuine and dedicated people I have ever met. His love for his girls and other warriors is something that people can see and feel. Can't fake that ever. Aaron writes, don't waste that time. Love that. JP writes, the fact that you're willing to make sacrifices is what makes you who you are, brother. It started with the army and it's now at your, now for your kids. It's at your core. Melissa writes, this has been amazing. You are a rock star. Robert writes, one of my favorite lines a friend told me was go take care of yourself by yourself for yourself. So thank you, Facebook Live peeps. Good stuff. So school, four months left, human services. Uh, Do you anticipate doing more school after that? Um, No, no. no.
I don't want to say in between degrees, but. <laughs> Yeah. So school now. So recently there we talked about it earlier, uh, the donation of an organ from your body to somebody else's body. Two. That was his second time he donated. Second time he donated? I'm unaware. So first organ that he donated was recently, but uh, oh, yeah, and, that's right. Andrew that's right. That's right. went on to, uh, he's a big fan of bethematch.org, and uh, he uploaded his profile, not just be, kidding. Not bethematch.com. <laughs> bethematch.org, uh, and there was a seven- Right, right. West Shore Community College. Um, Shout out to West Shore. What <laughs> was their mascot? Did they have a mascot? I don't believe it. Oh, okay. <laughs> uh, it, it was in the old cow field, so it may have been a cow. I yeah, yeah. Uh, you can check that, the West Shore Community College, Scottville, Michigan. Uh, anyway. That easy. <laughs> uh, so, uh, so they, you know, they, they had this little health fair set up, you know, the, the Red Cross was, was there and a couple other organizations. Um, there was this bone marrow organization, Be The Match, um, you know, set up there. Just asked, well, what do you have to do? And pretty much, you have to swab, swab your cheek, like on a little Q-tip, put it in the envelope, fill out a questionnaire, give it to them. Um, so, uh, that was probably like 2007, 2008. So a few years passed by, and my mom called me. She's like, hey, some lady from Michigan Blood's trying to call you. And I just kind of figured it was a, like a blood drive was happening or, or something. So I ignored it. The lady called back the next day. Because um, you know, at this point, I already moved down to Florida. Um, <coughs> you know, hit, had a different phone number, different email address, all that stuff. Uh, so anyway, so I ended up calling, and they said, hey, you're a possible match uh, to donate bone marrow to a kid, uh, a boy, 16-year-old kid with leukemia, um, well, what do I have to do next? So they sent me a, uh, some more question, or questionnaire and some, uh, like a little package to go get some blood work done, went and did that, a uh, series of, of testing, um, waited around, and then, uh, and then August, August, uh, I guess it'll be five years in, in August I've done that, done that. Awesome, man. So let me ask you this. It's, I don't think it's a common thing. And I know that when uh, I've been talking to a lot of people about you this week and for the past few weeks, um, they're like, I don't even know how he could even do that. And, and so at what point were you like, huh, yeah, let me do this? I mean, it's pretty. And why? <laughs> so, uh, I mean, I, I, honestly, for, for me, 
Um, you know, it, a lot of people, oh, it's heroic. It's, you know, it's, it's just what needs to be done, basically. Yeah. Um, are we talking about the kidney or bone marrow, by the way? Bone marrow. Okay. So, uh, you know, the, the, the bone marrow, it, I mean, it, I, honestly, it, it doesn't hurt any worse than, you know, the, the, the falling down and hitting your tailbone. Um, that's typically the first question I get. Well, does it hurt? Well, it's not like something you want to do every yeah. day. But, um, you know, but it, you also have to think, all right, this 16, 17-year-old kid, chemo, radiation, you know, I, I have no idea what, what it's like to, you know, to have leukemia. I'm sure it's not pleasant. Um, you know, so, so, you know, so that small sacrifice that, that I'm going to make, you know, it, it's going to improve his life. It's going to, you know, give his family hope. Um, you know, so it's an easy decision. So you speak of it as if it's nothing, you know, that it's not even a blink of an eye to where you thought and you even just said that it's what needs to be done you know but i think that's a rarity you know to where that's the mindset of people and also just as a little something here uh sully writes tell the truth that cheek swab was because you were a suspect oh and it also appears that we have uh the West Shore Community College mascot was Westy the Fox. Does that sound familiar? It's probably made up. The person that wrote that probably made it up. Uh, bri bri. <laughs> so bone marrow, now kidney. How did the kidney situation come about? You, you knew each other, but like not best friends. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, we, we knew each other. That was right. The extent of it. Um, so, you know, we're Facebook friends, just like I was with my, my sister and everybody else about how much we talk. Um, so, uh, so, you know, he, he, he posted, um, it, was, it was a year ago in April, he, he posted you know, his whole story. Um, I mean, be, being, being, uh, teammate at Wounded Warrior Project, you know, I, I, I've had conversations with him prior um, to that Facebook post, you know, just mm -hmm. see how he was doing. Right. You know, he, he's called a couple times uh, for resources, uh, things like that. We knew that worked there. Uh, you know, I sent him some swag, of course, t-shirts. Uh, you know, so I, I, I kind of knew what, you know, some of the stuff that, that he was dealing with, but, but you know, when he made that Facebook post, um, you know, and, and he just said, and his name's Russell. Uh, you know the, the the way Russell put it was he didn't do it to. Um, he, he said he he wasn't looking for a handout. Like he, he was just saying this is kind of a shot in the dark. Um, you know, because at, at this at this point he's had some family members um, you know get tested and <coughs> a couple other guys that, that we deployed with. Um, you know that they got tested and it, it and. Everybody was ultimately eliminated for different reasons, either medical reasons or um, whatever it was. 
Um, so he put this out there. I called the number. Uh, the, the number was to uh, Indiana University Hospital, to their transplant um, center there. I called, again, just simple in intakes, th things like that. That's kind of what started the process. Uh, and then I told him uh, a few days later, after I kind of started the process, just, hey, just heads up, you know, because I, I really didn't know how it worked. Um, to be honest, I was, I, I was kind of naive in a way. I didn't realize that, that there was even a such thing as living donors. I've always been an yeah. organ donor on my driver's license, mm -hmm. but um, I, I didn't know that you could donate while yeah. you're alive. Um, uh, so, I, you know, I, I didn't know if they were going to call him and say, hey, you know, so-and-so's calling. Like I, I really didn't know how it was going to work, so I gave him a heads up. Yeah. And one thing I wanted to point out from that is that, you know, a lot of people get on face. I mean, everybody's on Facebook. Right. And there people are posting stuff and, you know, uh, whatever. But in our environment and when we get on Facebook and we have uh, friends that have served and are veterans um, and they reach out to us and they post items on there. It, just the wherewithal to recognize something like that. Cause some people just, they would just let it pass them by and not even give it a second thought. But in our environment, it's so different because we're looking for stuff, right? We're trying to identify who needs help, who needs services, who needs programs. So for you to have the wherewithal to be reaching out through people on Facebook, like that's, that's another another method for veterans to reach out and help one another. You know, and, it, and I kind of, like, I, 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 can, I can see, you know, Russell's Facebook post. It was a real lengthy Facebook post. It, to, to be honest, it, it almost looked like one of those, one of those uh, Facebook posts, you know, oh, copy and paste, you know. Right. You know, so, to, so like, for me to even, like, catch it and read it, you know, and I, it, and I read through the whole thing, and, and I remember that the, you know, the phone number was, it's kind of at the bottom of it, but it, it wasn't like in, in big bold or, or anything. Um, you know, so just take my time right through it. So you get tested. How, do, how does that process work? Um, started off with, with uh, blood work. Did um, you let Russell know that you were going to get tested? Yeah, yeah. So and what was his re reaction to that? It, you know, it, at first it, it was like, oh, really, thanks. Um, you know, because like, like I said, other people... And what was his attitude at that point, too? Yeah, it, it, it's hard to say. I, I mean, like, the, our communication was, was basically through Facebook Messenger or text messages. Um, you know, but I, I could see, you know, it, as the process went on, it, it was almost like, like his attitude was changing. I mean, because, uh, I mean, he was going, di uh, going through dialysis, you know, three days a week, four or five hours a day. Um, you know, he'd have to wake up three, four o'clock in the morning to get there on time. And, you know, he, he, he really, he, he couldn't have a life. You know, he, he has two daughters um, as well. His daughters are, are a little older than mine, but, um, you know, and he, he's married. And, you know, it, it, and that, just, just his health conditions and, I mean, because he was. How old is he? Uh, let's see, 30, 35, 36. Okay. Um, you know, it, and he was dealing with, with these kidney issues for a few years. You know, so, um, you know, so it definitely added some, some stress onto his family. Um, so, yeah, so 
to answer your question, it started out with, with blood work to you know just make sure our blood was compatible, I, I, I guess, um, and then a series of EKGs and X-rays and CAT scans and uh, you know one of the biggest challenges is is there was really three hospitals involved, um, you know so there was the VA hospital in Indianapolis, Indiana University in Indianapolis, and then I was dealing with. Uh, UF down here, sometimes I'd go to Baptist, um, you know, to, to get some of these tests done. So, um, you know, so it was just, just kind of, uh, I go get the test done, then wait around. And How long was that process? Uh, so it, 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 was about a, it was about a full year from, from the time that I started until. Uh, within, this, within this year, had you discussed the, that process that you were going through with anybody? A little bit. What do, what do you mean by a little bit? When you made, like, tell us about that decision to, for you to go and do this. So, so, obviously, Ashley knows me. Ashley probably knows me more than I know myself. She, the, the, there's one thing about me that, uh, that, that I think a lot of people are know or, or think they know is, is that I, I'm going to help people. And you're stubborn about it. Yeah. Like, yeah. Like, I, like it, and a lot of times, if I'm going to help you, the only two people that, that should know about this are, are me and you. Like, mm-hmm. I, I, I don't need the, the world to know. Yeah. Um, you know, so, like, I, I, I don't want to tell a whole lot of people. Um, or, uh, like, I, I, I also don't want people to change my mind about helping somebody. Right. Um, you know, so, to, so Ashley and I, we, I mean, we, we talk. Honestly, I already had my decision made up. Um, Which is difficult for for family, like for your wife to be like, maybe she was thinking differently. Yeah. You know, maybe it's like, what if our family and, and so many other things. She, she asked me those questions like, well, what if, you know, one of the girls needs a kidney later on or, or, or you know, your kidney, you know. So, so then, you know, just kind of my typical question back to her. What if they don't? Right. So, you know, we, I, you know, and I just say, I have an opportunity to, to give this guy a better life, to save his life. Uh, I, and, it, and I mean, um, I mean, Russell had other options. I mean, he could have stayed on dialysis forever. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, he could have waited for another living donor. He could have waited for, you know, for, for a, a deceased donor. Um, you know, so I... I think it kind of goes back to, to some of the some of my military experience and you know he's asking why uh, or where could have should have which I know a lot of veterans a lot of people you don't even have to be a veteran um, you know but like I, I didn't want to I, I didn't want to pass up this opportunity right I, I guess did did Russell ask you if you were sure uh, no I, I, I he was like no. give it to me Right. Coordinators, it, and I have mine. And like, I, I'm sure they talked, but like, they wouldn't tell Russell anything about me, and I wouldn't, or you know, it, and vice versa. It, it, even though Russell and I talked right. on a daily basis, um, especially you know towards the end. But um, I, I mean, 
there, there was never any uh, you know, hesitation or, or, or second thoughts about me going through the process. So you went through this process for about a year, yep. right? And the actual surgery took place how long ago? Two weeks ago tomorrow, so about 14 days. What was your thought process on the flight there? Um, well, so Ashley and I flew up. Uh, well, Ashley and I flew up on May 17th. It was a Tuesday. It was Ashley's birthday. Um, you know, it, and whoever's Facebook friends with me, you know, they, they they're probably thinking that I was taking Ashley on this romantic trip to Indianapolis. No idea why you would go to Indianapolis for a romantic trip. Well, you like to go to these hey. yeah. exotic, <laughs> these exotic <laughs> nobody's ever heard of places. You know, so, uh, so, so Ashley and I, I, I flew up and, um, you know, we, we, we were, you know, it was real casual, normal conversation all the way up there, no anxiety or anything. Um, I don't think that I told. I mean, I, I, obviously there, there was some of my, uh, you know, some close friends, um, people from work and, and things like, like that, that that knew. Right. Why I was going up to Indiana, but um, you know, and and even when we're flying up there, like it, it still wasn't a hundred percent that it was happening. So I had free. What do you mean by that? Oh, because I, I had free app appointments on. on uh, that Wednesday morning. Um, so, so all that testing, you know, I, all that blood work and, and everything that I had to do 12 months ago, I mm. had to get it redone, you know, make, make sure that, you know, yeah. that they didn't miss anything, make sure, you know, that, that I was still healthy. Mm. Uh, Russell had to go through all of his testing. Uh, it, and then uh, he also had some, some other complications about a month or, or, or so prior, um, you know, to, to the actual surgery. So, uh, it, it, and then um, he had one of his chest X-rays, it, it, and you know they, they thought that there may have been a spot on one of his lungs, just like a shadow or right. cartilage or, or whatever. So, so, so even Wednesday afternoon, we're like, is this even going to happen on, on Friday? So, um, but once we got the you know the all clear, I, I, I guess, or hey, we need you at the hospital on Friday at five o'clock. Kind of like when I told the world. So you got the green light, and I know that you you've talked about this in in one of the recent interviews of feeling like donating to Russell gave you some a uh, a little bit of closure on some other things in your life. still carried some guilt from you know, death of Sergeant Logan Carson in Bergen and, um, but knowing that, that I gave Russell a, a new or a second chance I, I guess another chance because because I mean heck, Russell's you know, Russell had four four combat tours in, in Iraq mm -hmm. the Purple Heart recipient and, yeah you know, he's, uh, he, he's had his fair share of too, you know, from the army, then you know, they couldn't even get 
added on to it. Right. Um, you know, so, uh, yeah, you know, it's, it, it, it's just one of those things, like, like I said, like I, I, I didn't want to go the rest of my life saying I could have helped him. Yeah. I know that you don't want to hear this. I was going to say you're a nice guy, but you wouldn't, you inspire people by the things that you do and the way that you live your life every single day. So, and I want to thank you for that. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. is messing with me. So always when I'm trying to have a moment, he just shits on it. I'm just like, put the mic on your mouth, brother. So, <laughs> besides your family, what inspires you? Uh, I, I, honestly, it's a, it's a, I, I would say it's a tough question because obviously anybody that knows me knows that, that my girls come 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 first mm-hmm. um you know it, it and i say that they, that they especially madison you know she i mean so emory when you're listening to this <laughs> when you're older sorry <laughs> emory would have been bored 20 minutes ago <laughs> uh, you know well, it, it, and i say madison because madison has her own struggles with anxiety and sensory issues and things like that but that girl doesn't give up like like she she teaches herself so much stuff you know i, I mean like basic things like when we when we left two weeks ago you know she maddie loves gymnastics so when we left she could not do a back bend or whatever and then kick her feet over we come back and she's doing it like yeah, she yeah. like she like she, a pro yeah I mean yeah. It, it, and she'll do them like consecutive and you know so it or or even teaching herself you know how to swim or or, or how she deals with anxiety or or, or things like that so uh, Emory inspires me in, in other ways uh, you know but 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 Madison um, I I've learned a, a lot from her like on how to how to deal with some of my own stuff. Um, you know, hey, hey, and of course, you know, there, there, there's always, there, there's always other, uh, other warriors, uh, other people uh, that, that I've met that, you know, th- through my life that, that, uh, you know, that, that, that could have very well gave up. I mean, or, or just sat around and did nothing, um, but they don't. So, uh, you know, the, the, I, I remember that the doctor asked me. So I, I had to go up to uh, Indiana about a month ago uh, for what I thought were final appointments. Um, and the doctor just simply asked, well, wait, why do you want to do this? I said, well, because I have two kidneys and Russell needs one. Like, it, 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 it's one of those things that, <coughs> you know, yeah, I, I could have been selfish and said, you know, somebody else will come along. But I have something that can help. So just call me. Right. Again, so it's a small sacrifice. Um, I mean, thousands of people have, uh, have donated kidneys. It's, it's not like I'm, I'm the first person to do it. So. 
so you say that you feel like it's everyone's duty to do this. What is your reason behind that? Why do you feel that? Well, first, it, I mean, it, it, I mean to, to donate an organ to bone marrow or whatever, you know, the, the, those are definitely very personal decisions that they, they have to make. Um, you know, they're, they're small sacrifices. But I, I, you know, I'm not saying that, that everybody needs to donate bone marrow or organs or, or, or whatever, but it, it doesn't even have to be that extreme. It can be simply if, you know, you, you see your neighbor needs a grass cut, go knock on their door and ask them, hey, can I cut your grass? I'm not doing anything. Are you saying that because we are neighbors and I've never <laughs> cut your grass? Joe Big Marine. Yeah, Joe, who's uh, he, he's a Marine. You know, they, they they came over and you know, you know uh, put down new mulch and tore up some bushes that they, that I've been meaning to do for, for a while. Or um, you know, or, or, or even all the support that, that Ashley and I have received. You know, with, with you know with all the food or, or or asking how to help or you know all that stuff. I, I mean, so it helping doesn't need to be you know something big and extreme I mean it just just help each other and it, it and it's funny because you know the, the the bone marrow recipient I had no idea who they are still don't I, I don't know I don't know a thing about them but I, I I will say even though you know Rick Russell and I have you know a special bond now um, I, I, I I think I, I think by donating bone marrow like that there's just more meaning or, or, or something like I mean, yeah yeah stranger like mm -hmm. I just I think it's beautiful your outlook on this matter where you feel like it's I mean we're all human beings we should all be helping each other put aside all the differences and stuff like that and uh and be there for each other. So Melissa writes, uh, Andrew, you're such an inspiration to us all. Thank you for all you do for everyone. Also, your girls adore you. How is Russell doing? He, uh, I haven't talked to him today, but um, I figured I'd give him a break. Yeah. Uh, no, but I'm, I mean, Russell and I, we, we've talked every single day um, since, uh, since the transplant. Um, as soon as the, the kidney was uh, was hooked up, I, I guess, or full transplant, um, you know, started working immediately. He was up and walking within 24 hours. Um, he came and visited me. Uh, we, we were on different floors uh, in the hospital. Um, apparently, I wasn't very nice to him. Mm -hmm. I'm going to blame that on the meds, though. <laughs> um, you know, but he, I mean, he, he, he's doing great. I, what was it? Wasn't, wasn't there a line there that you told him? <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, uh, I mean, I, 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 I was in so much pain, and you know, the, the, the meds, and uh, you know, he, he just, I don't know. But uh, now he's, he, he's doing great. And, you know, his, um, he, uh, I mean, he, he, he has a great, 
support system up there as well too. So, 14 days later, your outlook on life was already extraordinary and so different from so many other people in this world. Do you have a different outlook 14 days after doing something like this? Right. I mean, things haven't changed, mm-hmm. you know, at home. I mean, it's, well, probably haven't had to cook in a while. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, and, uh, Buffet. Yeah. Golden Corral. Uh, <laughs> you know, but, but I, I don't know. Like, I, I, I don't think, uh, I don't think my outlook has, has changed. I, I can tell you that, 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 uh, that Russell is, is in his family. I mean, very grateful and uh, I mean like I, I, I don't think I, I, I've been thanked so many times you know, it, mm. you know like his dad like, like I, I, I met his I met his parents um, I think it was I think it was two days before the transplant happened um, you know like we, we all went out to eat and, and you know, met for the first time and I appreciate it, and, and I know, I, I I know that they appreciate me, you know. But like I, I, a lot of stuff, like I, I just didn't I didn't think it was necessary, you know. Um, you know I mean, like I, I, I you want to thank me, th- thank me, but like uh, I don't think there's there need to be a, yeah. a big ceremony about it. I will say this that. Even you say that about your outlook and it, it like you're steadfast. You got to keep moving on to the next thing, recover, get back to the great work that you've been doing for the past few years. But the outlook of those that you're surrounded by has definitely changed. Like not only do many of us obviously like we it makes us honestly step our game up and not in the sense that we have to go out and donate or do, but take a look at the world differently and understand that there's different ways that you can impact this world and impact somebody's life. So the people around you have been, have been impacted by what you've done. And I think that's important for you to understand and to know um, is that even though you remain steadfast, those around you, Man, a, a tremendous amount of admiration. It takes a lot of guts to to, to, to do to do the, those. I mean, not only those things, but your entire uh, adulthood um, has been impactful in a positive way. So don't don't downplay it. You know what I mean? Don't downplay it. Uh, and now, Andrew. to sum this all up right this journey has been amazing you've taken us from high school to your military career to marriage to to college and 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 navigating your way through the va system and and giving back through work and donating uh and you've inspired everybody across the entire spectrum that like from all walks of life it's, there are some, there's a lot of takeaways from the discussion that we had today. If there were two takeaways 
that you could impart upon anybody watching or anybody listening? Veteran, if you could, yeah, veteran and non-veteran. so many veterans out there that are thriving, that are doing great things. Um, I mean, heck, over the last couple weeks, you know, I've said some of those guys that, that I went through the track program with are, are graduating college, that are on their way to law school, that are, you know, going for their masters, that are, you know, it, that starting businesses, whatever it is. Um, so I guess, I, I guess that is kind of takeaway for the civilians. Don't think all veterans are, are, are struggling, um, but you know, for for the veteran, uh, don't give up. That you know, times can suck. They do suck. Um, you know, but you know, there's there's resources out there. That, there's people that, that care. There's civilians that, that care. Um, you can call me. Don't put my work phone number for my emails. At least for the next couple weeks. Um, you know, it, it it and then you know. Good, just for uh, just for everybody, you can make a small sacrifice that has a big impact. Um, you know, like I said, it doesn't have to be donating an organ, doesn't have to be bone marrow. I mean, it it, it can be. You know, it, it, I know. Uh, I guess a couple of years ago, like you know, one of those. Um, there's a thing on Facebook about random acts of kindness mm -hmm. you know, about, about paying for Sunday Starbucks it, it, if that's your sacrifice then that's your sacrifice but, but, there's so much there's so much that, that, that we can do that we just blow by every single day without realizing so as we're sitting here thinking and talking look in your closet see how much clothes you don't wear or how many pairs of shoes that you don't wear or, or, or whatever clean out your closet and go you know take it down to the Soulsbacker Center in downtown Jacksonville or a homeless shelter or whatever uh, I mean because right there could, could have a huge impact on somebody um, you know so yeah, small sacrifice can make big impact yeah so we appreciate that and now Jeff you know what time it is Jeff yeah, yeah, it's a time for the beast mode moment. The beast mode moment. We couldn't end without talking about a beast mode moment. I feel like this entire podcast has been a beast mode moment. Everybody's just watch. They just watch the beast mode moment live. There's not much more for me to say other than be the change that you wish to see in the world. That's it. Simple. Nice. So a couple of things here before we sign off. And uh, just for the record, we're at one hour, 55 minutes. We might have to split this into two episodes. On our podcast. Uh, so from Facebook Live, again, everybody on Facebook Live, thank you for chiming in, asking some questions and your comments. Robert signed off. Uh, <laughs> but before he signed off, he said, remember to promote what you love instead of bashing what you hate. These three are prime examples. Thank you, Robert. 
JP says, Amen, Jason. I feel like I should do more because of this. David said, I'm proud as hell to work with you guys. David said he agrees. Andrew, you are amazing and loved from Amanda. Uh, David wants to know what kind of beard oil you use in that beard of yours. Oh, natural. Nice. Nice. He's such a liar. He has like the whole hipster beard kit. Andrew, do you know what time it is? Well, if you listen to the previous 10 episodes of the podcast, you would know that after the Beast Mode moment comes Jeff's joint. Jeff's joint joint. We make those sound effects because we don't have like a soundboard or anything like that. This is unedited. So I have a couple of things here that I was thinking of when we were going to have Andrew on. Uh, a couple of those things are how humble I know that you are, sir. And, you know, you said before that you're not a hero and, and all this stuff. So the definition of selfish, selfless is if you're selfless, you think less about yourself and more about others. You're generous and kind. Being selfless is similar to being altruistic. Another word for giving to others without looking for personal gain. And I know for a fact that you always give of yourself and never look for anything in return. Uh, definition is of character, qualities of honesty, courage, or the like, integrity. Uh... And although you specifically said that you're not a hero, the definition of a hero is a person who is admired or idealized for courage, outstanding achievements, or noble qualities. And sir, you have all of those, all of the above. Um, I think that my Jeff's joint got jacked, but give me a sec. Because I have it this guy hey this is hey, this is unedited andrew this is podcasting 101 have your stuff together right yeah. How, have you and have you enjoyed yourself I have. your first podcast, your first podcast. yeah so jeff's ready with jeff's joint here we go here we go <laughs> Jeff, that was a beautiful choice. Tell us a little bit about it. That was Mumford and Sons, and the song is called Tim Shell. Um, the big one that stuck out to me with that verse is pretty much everything that Andrew's about. Um, it says, death is at your doorstep. Uh, it'll steal 
your will, but it will not steal your sub. It'll steal your innocence, but it will not steal your substance. You know, and and with everything that Andrew has been through, um, going all the way back, I mean, he is the epitome of a fighter and someone who does not give up. And when they get knocked down, get back up and come back even harder. And towards the end of the verse with the chorus, it said, you know, you are not alone in this. Brothers, we will stand and we'll hold your hand. And it's about, you know, that hit me because, I mean, Andrew's so giving of himself and he will not let anybody else fall. He's always there uh, for other people. So that was that. And I just want to thank you for being as open as you've been, brother. I think it's super important, especially for those who may be listening and struggling in, in, in that bad spot that you were in years ago. Um, and like they said on Facebook Live, that they'll know that they are not alone. So it's super important to me. So thank you. Yeah. Any parting shots, Andrew? Any parting kidney shots? Oh, bing, ding. I second everything that Jeff just said. I appreciate um, having the opportunity to be your friend and having known you for this long. Um, and I'll take away a lot from this episode personally. Um, and yeah, I hope that my daughter listens. I hope that my family listens. I hope that my nephews and nieces listen. Um, and I, I don't think that we'll be able to top this anytime soon. We appreciate you coming out and sharing your story and being as open as you were, um, and being honest with us and allowing us to ask you tough questions. Uh, and I appreciate you as a man and as a brother and I love you, brother. This has been episode what? 11, baby. 11, baby. Until next time. Beauty and the Beast Mode. Beast Mode? Beast Mode. Beauty and the Beast Mode. Andrew Coughlin. You can uh, see some of the stories on uh, probably YouTube now. Uh, um, interviews and in, that you've had about the donation. Uh, Beauty and Beast Mode, episode 11. I am Yeye Martinez. I am Big Jeff. And don't forget to go to bethematch.org. Until next time, Beauty and the Beast Mode. Peace. See ya.